This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, On The Grid powered by theracetalk.com in our brand new partnership with a motor racing uh, website that is extremely exciting. Check it out, theracetalk.com. Got a big show coming up. Mark Brax is going to preview the World Superbikes down at Phillip Island this weekend. Look forward to that. We're also going to catch up with a couple of big-name drivers. Scott McLaughlin will talk to us. Jamie Winkup talks to us. Anton Di Pasquale is there. Uh, Andre Heimgartner as well. We'll chat to him. And, uh, well, maybe who knows who else might turn up on the show also. So a big show to come. Let's get straight into it and have a look at this weekend's World Superbikes. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. All right, as we do all the time, catching up, talking about two-wheel stuff, Mark Brax joins us on the line. Good morning, Braxy. G'day, Tony. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. A massive weekend coming up for uh, the two-wheeled variety of motorsport because it's the start of the World Superbike season this weekend and also the Aussie Superbikes as well. Yeah, mate. Um, the waiting is over. Basically, it finishes today because it's the final test of the uh, World Superbikes. They're all coming out for their traditional uh, pre-season test here at Phillip Island Monday and Tuesday before the event actually starts uh, per se properly on uh, Friday with their first practice for the year. But uh, it's going to be, well, another, I suppose, intriguing season in a way, um, Shebex. In fact, the intrigue is, can anybody stop Johnny Ray from marching to a fifth straight world championship? Um, the guy's in a league of his own, and I don't mean that derogatory to all the other riders because they're all out there putting it on the line every time they go out. But no matter what they come up with, they've tried changing the rules to limit uh, webs and all this type of thing. But mate, the, the green meanie Kawasaki and Johnny Ray just keeps coming to the fore again. So be interesting to see. He's well, dominated all the uh, off-season testing at Areth in Valencia and at uh, Aragon as well. Sorry, not Aragon, uh, Portimao as well. Um, Alex Lowe's on the Paddy Yamaha has been giving him a bit of a hurry up. But, uh, you know, when it looks at the race pace and just the the general way he goes about things, it's going to take a big effort for anybody to take that number one plate off him. Yeah, it certainly is. And he's going for five in a row, Jonathan Ray, which is an amazing effort. Uh, I, I presume he would have been a regular down at Phillip Island again this summer, Braxy? No, um, he is. Uh, for people that don't know, he did marry a, a local girl from here, Tash. Um, but unfortunately now for him, as he said to me on Saturday, they had a book signing down here for him for his autobiography that's just been released. Um now that his eldest son's in school, they don't have the um, well, the luxury or the benefits of being oh, okay. up to gallivant around the world all the time. And uh, as anybody knows that have kids, they always come first, especially when it's in those first formative years of uh, getting them in front of the uh, the school blackboard, so to speak. Do they still use blackboards at school anymore? Um, that's a question. But yeah, he's uh, departing these fine shores very soon after the finish of the uh, the weekend and heading back to Northern Ireland. Uh, he was living in uh, the Isle of Man in that tax haven, but uh, in recent times moved to the Isle of Man. Uh, sorry, not back to Northern Ireland for the, uh, the sake of his kids being educated in the Northern Irish system, I suppose. So I'm um, very, very loyal. But um, yeah, it's um, going to be strange to see him uh, disappear so soon because normally he stays in and does a bit of push bike training and all the rest of it. But uh, family duties, and I suppose will we go home with another couple of race wins under his belt and a pole position. And I can't um, 
mention with the uh, without mentioning the fact that this weekend uh, it's only a bit of uh, another what would you call innovation in the uh, program of the Superbike World Championship where they're having uh, a three race format mm. for many years from the time of its inception in 1988 there was two races predominantly on the the Sunday for the Superbikes in uh, the last what is it last three years they've had a race on the Saturday split them up. Uh, which is well and good, I suppose, for people that can attend, that can attend both meetings, uh, both days of the meeting. But they're bringing in a third race for Sunday afternoon, a ten Sunday morning, pardon me, a ten lap sprint race, which will actually determine the top ten, top nine grid positions for the the race on Sunday afternoon, that traditional twenty two lapper. So half points. Um, I spoke to Johnny Ray on. Uh, Saturday when he was signing a book for me and just asking about the new format and he's not real keen on it but uh, he said it's only worth half points. I said well basically you've got to give it's the fans are the most important thing and if you can get them entertained um, you know it's all well and good for the championship because it's been overshadowed in recent years by the uh, enthralling nature of MotoGP I suppose. I wonder whether uh, as we know Dorna run World Superbikes as well as MotoGP I wonder whether this is a forerunner for Dorna to possibly look at expanding the MotoGP format down the track. Well there has been talk of it for a couple of well a few years now that they'll try and make it a bit more of a, a fan friendly exercise to have more races but then the argument for the MotoGP is the fact that, well, from the teams and riders' perspective, is it's that expensive um, with the bikes and, you know, the, the wear life and they've got all their engines locked up for a certain yeah. time. They have to basically revamp the entire rules of MotoGP. Yeah. And uh, others have said, well, why don't you just make it longer races like you get back to um, the old days? But people know that longer races um, can settle into a bit of pres- into a bit of a procession as we've seen in recent times with the guys with tyre wear, saving their tyres, that gets into a bit of a, a, what would you call, a lull between the, the middle and the two-thirds of the race distance. And then with a third of a race to go, they go, well, bugger this, I've got to make a move. So um, whether they do it just on the expense, because the prototype category versus the Superbike World Championship, which is all production-based, you can, well... I know you'll have a bit of a grin when I say this, but you can actually walk into a showroom, buy a bike and go world superbike racing if you've got another 100 grand to tip into it to turn it into a superbike. But that is the philosophy and the mindset that it is a production-based series. And I couldn't see it going to MotoGP. Mate, you and me, I love it. Give us three or four races a weekend. No stress for us. It's more entertainment. But I can't see it happening in uh, MotoGP in, in the near future anyway. I tell you what I do love about uh, production bike racing, as you said, you can just go out the street and buy one, providing you've got the money to buy a, a similar sort of thing. But also the fact that you, you see bikes on the road and they look very much like the production bike setup. But I tell you what, a couple of uh, teams have just launched, launched their new liveries for 2019, and there's some amazing looking bikes. The Kawasaki's again have come up great, but I think the one that was launched last night, the Honda team, the uh, Morawaki Althea Honda team, just amazing colours on that bike. Stunning, actually. It was the uh, traditional colours of uh, Morawaki, uh, which is uh, blue and yellow. And Morawaki has been in association with uh, 
Honda for a number of years with their Super Suzuka 8-hour races, Japanese Championships and World Endurance Championships. Plus, it's got the red in there from HRC and a couple of other sponsors, Altia, the Italian company that's got uh, World Championship success with Supersport and World Superbike. And one name we are, I think, what was his name? That old bloke, Troy Bayless. Yeah. Took him to a championship many years ago, and now they've... Uh, Combined with um, Colin Edwards Honda. too, didn't he? With with Honda, yeah, Colin Edwards was another one. Yep, um, and Honda have come back with this HRC coming back into the fore of World Superbike racing for the first time since 2002. So, and that was when Colin Edwards last won their championship. And uh, it's been a while between drinks for Honda. Their last race win was back in 2016 at Sepang, ironically with the late great Nicky Hayden who took that race win for Honda. Um, now they've got the, the factory behind them, Leon Kamiya and uh, Yuichi Tianari, the All Japan and British Superbike multiple champion, as uh, the pilots on board. And talking to Leon yesterday at the launch, I said, well, what's the difference? Can you quantify the difference between this bike you're riding now and the Honda you stepped off last year at the end of the Superbike World Championship? And he said, the only thing the same on this is the badge. Yeah, uh, really, okay. that difference. He said, mate, it is so different. I said, well, can you tell me, you know, the sharpness is... And he said, mate, I can't really quantify it. He said, just everything is so different. He said, it's just like riding another bike. And given until um, probably halfway through the year to get up the speed, they've got a lot of catching up to do. And the Honda hasn't been the most successful bike on the World Superbike grid for a number of years. I think it's going to be a bit of work for them. But, mate, as everybody was... Um, you know, whispering to each other at the um, press launch yesterday, if HRC are involved, beware. That's uh, when they set their mind to something, you know, as well as I mm. do with cars and bikes, when Honda put their mind to something and want to improve the beast, they will improve the beast in a very short time. They have their the two head gangers of Honda Racing Corporation down here, especially for the launch. They're down here to look at the test and they'll disappear back to Japan. They're not even hanging around to... Uh, to the um, that watch the race, they're just taking all the information from the test to, to go back and uh, try and improve this machine. And um, they've had a couple of private tests away from the eye, the peering eyes of the World Superbike paddock. So today, in about 15 minutes' time at nine o'clock, is the first time that uh, the um, they'll be out on track with the rest of their rivals for the year. So they'll get an idea of where they stand in the pecking order. But you know. Um, They've had a couple of fourth positions. I think he even finished fourth in 2006, uh, uh, 2016, pardon me. Uh, Leon Camia was a top five finisher last year, so not beyond the rims of possibility they could jump back on the podium at this uh, the new look um, uh, Moawaki Altia Honda team. And uh, looking forward to a bit more spice in the mix. We all need a little bit more. Another ingredient in the recipe never goes astray. Uh, no doubt about that, Braxy. Uh, it, it's highly unusual, isn't it, that a venue hosts the final round of testing and then three days later they go racing on that venue. I don't actually think it happens in anywhere else in, in any of the major racing categories, whether it be two-wheel or four-wheel. It, it's a, a massive advantage for the riders, I would have thought, and the teams to be able to get so much extra data in these two days and then effectively be able to utilise that data and help them try and get a race win a couple of days later. Yeah, exactly right. It is uh, pretty unique that the uh, MotoGP does a similar thing in Qatar, but that's basically the night test so they can get their eyes attuned to the yeah. conditions of the, the next week. Uh, but the Superbikes here, it is. It's, uh, and I think it's a good excuse for them to come down and kick their heels up and get away from that brutal Northern Hemisphere wintertime too. Oh, yeah. they've, been coming, they've been coming down here now for the test. I think this is going into a sixth or seventh year. 
that the um, pre-season test does end um, with a couple of days off before I come back uh, with all the armour ready for the championship to start. But it is it gives them a bit of data for here, particularly with the Pirelli tyres, because every year, uh, Giorgio Barbieri, the head of the uh, Pirelli Racing Concern, they, as he says, we have new solutions. They're not um, compounds, they're always solutions that he brings out. So... I'll be nutting him out today, but they'll probably bring out three solutions for the rear and two solutions for the front, all brand-new tyres that they haven't used before, which all their testing they've done at Jerez, Valencia and Portimao in the off-season probably goes straight out the window, as we've seen mm. the Australian superbike testing, which we'll get onto very shortly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be an interesting time ahead for this uh, this week to see what happens and what happens in testing doesn't norm- normally uh, translate to what happens on the race. But I bet your bottom dollar that there's one JR that's still at the top of the timesheets come tomorrow afternoon. It's amazing just how much of the superbike circuit, the world superbike circuit, Phillip Island has become. It's actually the circuit with the most world superbike races, run 55 races since 1990, which is an amazing stat. You would have thought that some of those more European-type tracks would have had more of a record, but Phillip Island, number one. Number one, yeah, and I suppose that uh, reflects the nature of this track. It's a, a circuit that everybody absolutely loves. I think that's going a bit easy on it. It is the best four, four and a half kilometres of bitch when anywhere in the world. You've just got to ask the riders that to see what they reckon. And, um, yeah, it's been coming down here. So the season started, the championship started in 1988. The first race was at Donington Park. But um, mainly because a lot of the tracks had changed in the contracts. But the, the, the relationship between Dorna, uh, Phillip Island organisation and the Victorian government, for that matter, is pretty unique. And, it is, uh, isn't it? They've signed up at least till 2027 to uh, host around of the World Superbikes and the Grand Prix. So it looks like it's here for a long time. And uh, as I said, you know, the, the people at Phillip Island have got a good relationship with the people at Dorna. So I can't see that happening for so long. But uh, And as they always say, it's the best track in the world, the best venue that they come to. And uh, I can't see it changing anytime soon. Alvaro Bautista steps into the uh, FIM Superbike World Championship. And do we think, Braxy, that he is the one that's going to take it all the way up to Johnny Ray, of course, a former 125 World Champion back in 2006, been in MotoGP for a damn long time. Is he the one that's going to step off and say, right here, mate, let's go? Um, well, he's given it a good shake in early season, uh, the off-season testing, I tell you. And... Uh, after watching him up close, and I was, you know, I was at the coalface way back there in 2006, 2007, when he was uh, in the 125s, and he moved on to the Moto 2 for a while, and then up to um, the Moto GP in recent years. He started with Suzuki about, uh, oh, just coming back in 2010, I think he started with Moto GP. Um, he's been knocking on the door, and a lot of people who was criticising him, and oh, he's, you know, he's lost it. But this year, or last year, pardon me, when he was on that satellite Ducati, and even before his contract was under under threat, you could see that he was uh, he'd lured the ropes of the EDA sequences of what a MotoGP bike is all about, and he was putting that uh, bike in positions in front of some of the factory boys at times. So, if anyone's going to do it, that's come across from MotoGP, doesn't did the reverse as we've seen Max Biaggi and Carlos Checker do that have come along and won world championships in the Superbike World Championship. Um, okay, they had uh, a pretty good pedigree behind them. Uh, well, Biaggi did. Carlos Checker didn't have the best win average, I suppose you could call it, but 
they've come across and set the world on fire. And I think Alvaro Bautista has got the talent and the goods and the team behind him, more importantly, to do it now that he's on that factory Ducati team with that new look bike. So um, don't discount him. And I think even though Johnny Ray will be looking over his shoulder, he might be um, rubbing his hands together to think, well, maybe I've got some good yeah. competition that's going to last the entire season with me. So... Um, and that raises the point of what this new V4 Ducati is going to be like when they um, unveil it in the flesh today and put it on the racetrack in all its race trim for this weekend, if that's um, up to the speed with it as well. Hey, uh, Braxy, uh, this is might sound like a stupid question, but it's actually serious for me. How much does Batista have to dumb down his knowledge of a bike jumping off a MotoGP bike onto a production bike? Um, Does it change that much in in his in the way he thinks about the way he rides and he handles the bike? Yeah, well, it's coming back to his right wrist in a lot of way. Um, even though they've got the electronics and the cutouts on these um, <clears throat> super bikes, there is a certain amount of electronics. But probably, I'd say thirty to forty percent of what's on a Moto GP bike, they've got. You know, they've got all the um, gyroscopes and everything for launch control, throttle control. It's, it's all there, but it's dumbed down a lot. So and a lot of I it comes back to his riding style now, not so much what the bike does for him, but what he does for the bike. Yeah, and the other the other difference is that he'll be telling the team what he wants in the bike instead of a lot of team, a lot of time in MotoGP. So the rider will tell him this, and I want that, and I go, well, hang on, we've looked at the data, and we think <laughs> yeah. you should be doing this. Yeah. So I think it gives, it, it gives him a bit more... Um, Authority to say no, I want it this way. Yeah, okay. And and the, because it's a production-based machine, they they move or they twist, they flex a lot more than the rigidity of a MotoGP bike. And that's going to be the thing that he's going to have to learn to start um, trusting the thing to be moving around a lot, even though the MotoGP bikes do move around a bit. They're that precise. They seem to stick where they want. And with the electronics, they seem to guide it to where it's meant to be on the track, so to speak, when putting a loose term on it. But I think um, Alvaro, is, um, he's going to be quite good. It's, it's his size, I think, could be the, the biggest thing. Because um, we saw last year Marco Melandri use uh, knee-eye to a, mm. um, a foot peg most of the time. On that Ducati, he won both races at Philadelphia last year, so taking nothing away from his talent. But that thing was tying itself in knots when he had it on full noise. It was just slapping the bars from his hands. Um, and that's to get the balance right of the machine that uh, Alvaro can do it. And that's the other thing. He's got to play all his catch-up. And whereas Johnny Ray's been on this similar machine for the last four years, it's going to be jumping on back on with an old friend. Um, that's big. Alvaro's biggest problem is just getting to the grips of a new bike and getting the consistency. Okay, it's all right to do one quick lap, but now you've got to do um, 22 of them in a row, especially on Phillip Island. Yeah, you certainly do. It's going to be yeah, an am- Sorry, back again. His, his biggest advantage is that, that he was only here in October. Yes, correct. How many members of the end of May, and he did pretty well. Actually, what did he, I think he finished fourth or fifth. I was going to say fourth, yeah. Yeah. So, um, mate, if he takes a win, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes one this weekend. And, Braxy, of course, we should talk about the Aussies also that are racing this weekend in the big categories. Yeah, we've got a couple of wild cards, uh, one in World Supersport and one in World Superbike, respectively. In World Supersport, we've got uh, number two in Australia last year, Tommy Kaparis, who's jumped ship from Kawasaki to uh, Yamaha, and he's got Yamaha support. 
so he'll be flying the flag. He finished 14th last year in his wildcard effort with a tube race in Kawasaki. Uh, so he'll be arguing for top 10. Well, I know he's arguing for top 10. He's told me that. And then in the wildcard in the Australian, uh, the World Superbike Championship, we've got the current Australian Superbike champion, Troy Herfoss, who's getting on board. Well, they told me that the um, Penrite Honda is going to be a fully specced uh, Superbike. So he'll be flying the flag there. And as well, they'll be competing in the uh, domestic championship. So they get the heaps of track time this weekend. And as I've said to Troy, on his day, he's got every chance of being on a podium. His biggest discrepancy and biggest disadvantage is the fact that he's on a Honda. And that taking nothing away from the Honda, but as we know, it hasn't been up there in World Superbike spec for a number of years, and it's up to them to build a bike, even though he's won... Well, he's the only guy in the world that's won a couple of domestic championships for Honda in recent times too, so... He's flying the flag there, and uh, I'd expect him to at least get a top 10 finish in one of the races, and hopefully be, a top five. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Aussies have won 50% of the races down at Phillip Island in the World Superbike since they started, and the last time was a double win for Troy Bayliss back in 2008, Braxy. It's been a long time between drinks. Yeah, well, I think he might uh, come back and do a bit now that he's uh, nudging on 50 years old. He's uh, said to me the other week, he said, I've wasted two years of my life being in retirement. <laughs> I should have been doing this all the time. And he was second fastest and the most consistently fastest at the test on his old Dunga 1198 Ducati. And I wouldn't be surprised if he um, plants a flag on uh, come Sunday afternoon with at least one win over the weekend. And he's my dark horse for the Australian Championship this year. Well, let's see what happens, mate. It's going to be an amazing weekend, as it always is, the World Superbikes down at Phillip Island. It's as good if you've been to a MotoGP event but you haven't been to the Superbikes, you're not going to miss... Much of the no. atmosphere—they're basically identical well, weekends, aren't they? Well, except all punters get free access to the paddock, and after talking yeah, to Michael true. Hill, who's in charge of the paddock show this year, uh, they've like, got karaoke contests for the riders. You're sending your favourites or your song that you want them to do karaoke to. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of uh, interaction, and also uh, the public are uh, permitted to get to park Ferme which is at the end of the race where all the, the top three uh, place getters come in and get the congratulations of their team. They can stand there underneath the podium. So there's a lot more interaction and the, the fans can get a lot more up close and personal to uh, the World Superbike boys compared to the MotoGP boys. And another thing that you've got to bear in mind too this weekend, which I'm looking forward to uh, salivating, as a matter of fact, uh, Tone is the fact that it's the first round of the Australian Superbike yes. Championship for 2019 too. And uh, after the off-season testing we saw there a couple of weeks ago, the official test, and how close the competition was at the end of the season last year, we are absolutely in for a ball terror of the year. Pardon my French, but I reckon it's going to be a cracker of a year for the Australian Championships. We've got three races for the Australian Superbikes, three races for the Australian Supersports, and three races for the up-and-coming Axe Murderers in the Supersports 300 category, which will be... Uh, could eclipse, well, for action and intensity, could eclipse all the races, even though they might not have the speed. And they've certainly got the competition. Yeah, they certainly have, Braxy. And I look forward to catching up with you next Monday, mate, when we wrap it all up and find out who were the big winners and possibly even the big losers out of a big weekend at Phillip Island. Always great to have you on, mate. We'll do it again next week. No worries, mate. All the best. Mark Brax joining us here on The Grid. What an amazing year it was for Anton Di Pasquale back in 2018. His first year in supercars and some fantastic results for him. And, of course, he's 
powering it up at the moment with a team that is going in the right direction, that being Erebus Motorsport. Let's have a listen to Anton Di Pasquale talking about year two for him in the supercars. Just a chat. Anton Di Pasquale, second year, supercars. How do you feel? Yeah, good. Um, it's obviously good once you get this launch out of the way. That means we're, we're testing tomorrow, so we're really getting stuck in and uh, first time back in the car, so it's quite exciting. Take us through 2018 for yourself. It was an exciting year. There were some really great highs, and I suppose consistency at the end of the day was is the thing that you just really need to find, isn't it? Yeah, there was plenty of highs, obviously plenty of lows too, and always you know, first year, you never go to, if you have a consistent, smooth run, then you know it's very rare. So um, we had a fast car had a lot of qualifying speed so probably not the race results we needed so we'll work on that this year um and then towards the end of last year we're sort of starting to get that sort of in check so um yeah there's a lot of work to do and uh, should be good we spoke about it last year i think when i had a chat to you in regards to the team around you and the team's very much still learning as well but it seemed like 2018 for them was very much a consolidation year and it looks like they've got it all right now and the excitement for 2019 must be pretty big yeah, it's massive. Um, we've got the, the same team across both sides of the garage, so that unity um, has to be good. So all the same engineering staff and mechanics and things like that. So um, we can really work together and take a step forward and sort of work on what we didn't do too well last year and sort of concentrate on that and uh, hopefully go better this year round. Take us through, and I'm going to put a weird analogy to you, but I want to hear your thoughts. A free young footballer coming into a, his first senior game, his first year of senior footy, the older blokes seem to rough them up a bit. You know, there's a, a lot more tackling and they're a lot more hard on them. Is that the same in, in supercars? Do the older blokes sort of try and take advantage of the younger blokes in regards to things that they do on the track? Um, I don't think there's so much to take advantage. You know, it's like if you're, if you're fast and, you know, you're going with it, it's all good. If you're, if you're in the way, I think they... Uh, they'll let you know which sort of works both ways so um, you know I, have, I didn't have any instances where I've, you know anyone was trying to bully me or anything like that so it seemed to be alright oh, and I wasn't talking about bullying off the track more so just you know, yeah, on, on, on consistent on, bumping and all on that the track, stuff yeah, no, there wasn't too much of it everyone seems to have pretty good respect but like I said if you're, in, if you're in the way they'll let you know which is fair enough what about your respect for the category mate did it lift and raise a level after being in it for a year um, yeah, I always had a massive respect for what the guys do, um, you know, especially a few of them I looked up to for a long time. So to be a part of that, um, racing with all those dudes and obviously everyone else in the category too, it's, a, it's such a high level of competitiveness. So once you're in there, you really find out what it is. You can obviously guess and sort of estimate what it'll be like before you get there. But once you get there Adelaide first time, then you really have to, you know, and you know you're in for and, and work from it. There's a lot of kids that'll be looking up to you now as a young guy that's coming to the category and thinking, you know, I'd like to be like him. Tell us what it's like to be a, a, a Virgin Australia supercar driver. Is it living the dream? Is it as glamorous as we probably all think on the other side of the fence? Or is it just bloody tough work? Um, There's plenty of tough work. Like, um, obviously, having some guys look up to is really good. I, I do a fair bit of stuff out of Norwell, training some young guys too with Paul. So um, to be putting back in that way, is, is, is quite rewarding for me and then other than that obviously all the media stuff that we do and obviously on track's the coolest thing that we do and that's the best part but there's a lot of stuff to make that possible with sponsors and things so and then when I've got spare time there I usually go and help dad on the farm so there's a lot of stuff going on but overall I think we're living the dream and sort of I wouldn't swap it for any other job Wishing you all the best for 2019 Thanks mate, cheers Had a fantastic couple of years in Porsche Carrera Cup here in Australia. Made his 
way back into supercars last year after a uh, a failed stint, I suppose we can definitely say, at Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport. Andre Heimgartner has secured his ride with Nissan Kelly Racing. I should say with Kelly Racing now, not with Nissan anymore. With Kelly Racing for 2019 at the very last minute. We caught up with Andre at the launch last week. Andre Heimgartner, a late sign-up to the Nissan team. Fantastic, congratulations. Yeah, it's good to be back and back with the same engineer and same car and all that sort of stuff, so it's um, good to have some continuity. Take us through the last couple of months. Has it been tough for you personally? Um, a little bit, yeah. Obviously, not, not having that certainty. It's sort of something we um, had lined up for a while. It was just um, took a while to pull the trigger and um, for everyone to get their heads around the, the situation. But, um, you know, what it's like, everything's last minute. And, yeah. um, but it's good to, good to get it done and really thankful to Todd and uh, Rick and the whole team. 2009 is going to be an interesting year for Kelly Racing. Of course, you don't have that factory backing in Nissan anymore. Does that make it a little bit more difficult? Um, not, not at all. I, I suppose from a um, commercial point of view, it sort of does for the team, just not having that backing. But um, as far as the car goes and driving it, it, it's, um, it doesn't make much difference. We're still pushing on. We've still got plenty of developments coming with the aero um, and engine stuff and stuff like that. So it, nothing really changes from my point of view. It's um, still the same level of equipment, still the same level of development, uh, just no missing breath. 2018 was an interesting year for you. There were some really good results and there were some really poor results and a fair few in between. How do you improve that consistency in 2019? Yeah, we managed to get some good consistency at the end of the year. I think my last three races were all in the top 10 and I was in the last two top 10 shootouts, which was really good to have that consistency. Um, so it's just sort of trying to carry on from there and just trying to unlock some of the speed which we managed to do. And it was just last year it was too inconsistent going from round to round. Some rounds, you know, it, Perth, I'd qualified fourth, and then the next round, you know, you're 15th or 16th, and you're sort of struggling. So it's just about trying to unlock that speed and understand um, and what, is it, what it needs. Uh, you, this is the second reincarnation, of course, for you in supercars. You had the uh, the stint with Lucas Dumbbell Motorsport. Have you found this time around to be a bit more tough in regards to the, the competition and the like, or did you have a feeling that it was maybe similar to before, but just different? Um, no, well, when I first came in, obviously being a rookie and stuff, um, and being at Lucas Umbrows, it was very difficult to try and get results and um, try and stand out. But um, luckily, coming back this time, I'm a much better driver from the overseas stuff I did and in Porsche and stuff. Um, and, you know, I feel like I'm a lot stronger. And, you know, last year, I think, proved that. So for me, it's, um, it's not so much that it's tougher or anything. It's... Um, but now I have a, a solid team around me in Kelly Racing and, um, you know, that one message to succeed, which is really refreshing and um, that makes it a bit easier for me because I just have to worry about driving the car the best I can. And, um, but, yeah, to answer your question, it's, not, it's almost easier now because I'm in a better car. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt, mate, we all know you can drive. Let's show the whole world that you can do it, mate. Good luck for 2019. Cheers, thank you. Awesome. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. There is no bigger name in Australian motorsport at the moment than Craig Lowndes. He's done everything Bathurst win championship wins and now he gets to commentate on his sport as part of the new look Fox Sports team. We caught up with Craig Lowndes for a chat about his thoughts on 2019. New Fox Sports commentator Craig Lowndes. Oh, gee whiz, you're resplendent in the new attire, mate. Yeah, look, I think it's a little bit different. First day of school and uh, a little bit different in a sense of the feel being on this side of the fence and seeing all the drivers line up, and uh, which is fantastic. New liveries, new cars and uh, new drivers. You have to wear a race suit on race day? 
I don't know yet. We're actually doing a bit of a planning uh, session the next couple of days at Fox and uh, actually seeing what my role is and where, I, where I've got to be, what I'm going to say and, and what I've got to talk about because that's obviously a new role for me, yeah. something different. Uh, I, know what I know about the industry, so it's not a problem talking about sure. it. It's just a matter of what I need to talk about. Three months into the full-time retirement, uh, any regrets you look back and think, oh, did I do the right thing? Yeah, no, I don't have no regrets. I think I did the right thing. I um, have been more busy now than I have when I was a full-time driver, so maybe that was probably a bit of a negative, but uh, other than that, no, I think it's, it's a good time. You know, again, new Mustangs coming out, which obviously everyone's keen to see how that's going to perform. New drivers, young drivers coming up, you know, which is great. Yeah. You know, the, the, the category needs to keep evolving. Drivers also, you know, I'm, I'm the co-drive with Jamie later in the year, which is going to be something that I'm going to keep my teeth into. But as a full-time commitment, it's, it's for me, it's the right time to step back have a look at this world and see what the outside a race car looks like. That's an amazing amount of experience in that truck over those three endurance races. Yourself, Garth Tander, Jamie Winkup and Shane Van Gisberg. And that is an amazing drive on it. Well, it is. And I think that it, it was a bit of a shock, I think, to all of us about Garth. You know, you know, he, we had a bit of a banter late, late last year in Newcastle. He was going to be the next oldest driver on the field, and uh, I took, I was that. And then, of course, with his uh, departure, it really, it shook up, well, it, it surprised me. And then, of course, uh, you know, the great thing for Shane is it then allowed Roland to go and do a deal with Garth to, to pair him up, which is great for, for Shane because Shane, for his height, he struggled with co-drivers. And, uh, you know, Garth's same height, a little bit skinnier, but, you know, they'll work that side of it out. But, yeah, it's, it's great to have two strong cars filled with, you know, experienced drivers. We'll go to Bathurst, Gold Coast and Sandown, which is obviously a change, uh, with, with, with hopefully the, the, the best combination we can and, uh, you know, get a one-two up there. Being a part of 2018, it looks like such an exciting year from over the fence. What was it like inside it? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Like, the start of the season was obviously always going to be a busy time. and We, we go to the streets of Adelaide very soon in the same way. And, uh, you know, as Scotty McLaughlin said, you know, everyone starts on zero again and, and they've got to start building points, which is great. That's what the year's all about. But, uh, yeah, last year was really hectic, especially when we made our announcement at the end of, or early in the season. So the run home to Newcastle was great, obviously, to have the support, the crowd, and, uh, and the send-off, to be honest. The Newcastle blew me away because I knew about uh, some things that were going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't sort of appreciate or, or, or know at the time uh, the race suit, then the livery of the car, everything else like that was really special for the team to be able to do that for me. Um, and as I said, the crowd, just to walk down pit lane for that final time as a race driver, full-time race driver, to see even Roger Penske at the end of it, you know, he shook my hand and he said, well done on a great career. And, you know, he's very well uh, in tune with what goes, yeah. goes on down here and, uh, and who's who in the zoo and, and, and what people do. So it was nice to have that and, uh, you know, finish the season off fourth in the championship was great. The 12 hour, take us through your experience there. What an amazing day that was. Well, it was. I think that uh, we all underestimated uh, how hot it was inside the Mercedes car. You know, first time the three of us are all being yeah. in, a, in a car and campaigning a car. It was amazing. We did struggle with, with a bit of the car setup. We did struggle with brakes, but you know, we did our, you know, we did the best we could to see uh, you know all three of us struggling with the heat, which we normally don't do that or have that. So that was really a bit of a surprise for us. But to see Shane, uh, you know, get out of the car at the end of it, he, you know, he gave it his all almost on the podium we were fourth in the end and, and, and to be honest we we're actually it's, we've probably for the first time been as happy to finish fourth as we have ever been finishing first yeah. um, just the problems we, we encountered over the course of the week you now you know we we're all up against European drivers teams you know that we knew the Nissan and, and the um, uh, 
the Bentley was were superior in straight line speed. We knew our car had good dominance across the top. So it, it, the good thing about the GT cars in the category is that cars have got strengths and weaknesses in different ways. So it really showcased how good the cars in the category is. So based on that heats, we hear that supercars are looking at the possibility of a summer series from that driver Bathurst. Does that give you a thought that maybe it may not work? Uh, look, I think that uh, it's on the drawing boards with the summer series calendar. I don't know. I haven't really understood it enough to, to really give you a full opinion. But, no, the heat in the cars and the supercars are very different to what yeah, the heat was in the GTs. Open. These have got more, more ventilation. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the cool suit system that works really well. Um, the GT cars are completely sealed. Uh, the Mercedes doesn't have an air con. Uh, other cars do, the Audi, uh, the McLaren. I think the Bentley did as well. So, you know, where the GT world goes into that side of it in, in sense of the air conditioning of the cabin of the car, uh, we'll wait and see. But, you know, the supercar's not an issue. We can still run up in Darwin, you know, in 30 to 34 degree days. And, and, you know, the insulation and what we've done is, as a category uh, underneath the cars, inside the cars, and, and that, it, it does help the drivers. Final one for you, mate. The Mustang, you mentioned it yeah. before. It's an exciting looking car. Well, it is. It's, it's a great looking car. Obviously, uh, you, you can never tell with the early stages with, with the prototypes and everything else, but now seeing a car live, uh, with, you know, with all the liveries on it and, and some great new liveries, which has yeah. been fantastic. Um, but yeah, look, I'm like everyone else, interested to see how it performs on track. You know, they're going to Phillip Island, a very fast flowing nature track. It's going to be great to be able to get their head around the aerodynamics. Mechanically, it's all the same, so that you know, should be that should be a drama. But uh, but the aerodynamics make a big difference on these cars, and I think that they're going to one of the best, best tracks to be able to utilise that, not only to, to get what the car likes, but also what the car doesn't like. Rake, more wing, less wing, how, how the drivers need to get it to work. That's going to be the interesting thing. It, you know, the look of the car is very different, it being a two-door instead yeah. of a four-door. Um, you see more of the bar work through the side protrusion of the, of the window, but, but other than that, it, it's, you know, it's going to be exciting times. Did you mention more wing? I don't know if you want any more rear wing in that <laughs> thing. Do you? It's huge. No, it is a massive rear wing. It's, uh, it, but look, it, it obviously balances out the car. Yeah. It, it, it works for their arrow and their numbers. Uh, again, you look at the Nissan, it, it's got a, you know, quite a wing that hangs off the back of it. You know, same with the Commodore now. It, it's, it, for me, it's going to be interesting in twofold. How, how effective it is, but how, how effective it is when you're following it. Uh, we know that the Nissan following yeah. the Nissan, that disturbed air behind it really affects you uh, with arrow wash. Whether the Falcon has that, or the Mustang, sorry, um, has that, I'm not sure. Wait and see. Mate, that's the sort of insight that we're really looking forward to in 2019 on Fox Sports. Congratulations on the new career ahead and wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward to it. I'm sure by his standards, 2018 just didn't live up to what Jamie Winkup would like to see in a supercar season. The potential for that to change in 2019 is huge, but the competition will be just as good, if not better, with some changes to the laws surrounding the cars and the way they're set up and the like. Let's have a listen to how Jamie Winkup thinks his 2019 might pan out, and is there another championship around the corner? Well, Jamie Winkup joins us. Jamie, first of all, congratulations on 2018. You, you fought it out to the end, and what was a in yours? I suppose, for you, a, a tough year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was the first time I finished outside the top two since 2006. But I was third, close, you know, not far behind uh, the two boys in front, my teammate and, uh, and the eventual winner, Scotty McLaughlin. So, all in all, not, not a bad year, you know. We, the, the Peter Brock Trophy was at our workshop. We 
on the season of endurance through Lounsey as well. Shane was very, very close. And uh, we, we all went Sandown, Townsville. We had some great victories, you know. We had, had a great year, but yeah. not quite uh, exactly what we wanted. So this year, we want to step up. How to do that? Uh, just make, make less errors, you know. We, we were quick enough. We just made too many errors. Losing Lousy from the team brings it back to a two-car operation. That's great in some areas, but it's also yeah. weird in other areas too because I'm sure a guy like Lousy brings so much information to the table yeah. at debrief. Yeah, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a, a gain. You know, Yes, we don't have as much information coming, a third set of information, but the team runs so much simpler when you just focus on two cars. We, we, we did it for years um, before we went to a three-car team. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think the focus back on two cars is, is, a, is a good one and uh, looking forward to it this year. Got a few years in this game now. What excites you to come back for another year and just keep coming back? Well, it's, I'm a fairly simple person, you know. I might, might look complicated from the outside, but I'm pretty simple. I just love taking the car to the track and racing my mates and see if we can get to the finish line first. So it's the same concept that why I love go-kart racing back in when I started back in 1993. Um, still the same concept. So there's plenty to do, plenty of uh, plenty of tuning ability to do on the cars, which we're which we're looking forward to. Um, so we'll keep developing, and no doubt the Ford guys are going to throw over the Atlas this year with their with their new toy in the Mustang. We'll um, we're, we're working pretty hard to make improve our car as well. One tuning ability you have lost though is obviously in the suspension area. Your thoughts on that change? Uh, yeah. I, the, Category make the change. Oh, I don't think it's a good one. I don't, I don't think it was a bit unnecessary. They they put it down to cost saving, but it's not going to cost. It's not going to save any costs at all. Um, but it is what it is. Same for everyone. We'll um, we'll tune our car around Linear Springs. 2019, as you mentioned, the Mustang comes in. We've got a couple of new competitors. The competition seems to rise again. We've got a, a night race in Perth. We've got Bathurst as the first race of the Enduros. Yeah. Yep. How much are you looking forward to 2019? I, I, as you say, there's plenty of changes there, and um, keeping it fresh, keeping it changed up is uh, is certainly a good thing. So I think they've done a great job with the calendar. You know, trying to, it's a huge job trying to get the calendar right, making sure that we race at the right place at the right time, and and uh, not clash with any other major sporting events over the year, not clashing with Easter weekend and Father's Day and things like that. So um, I think they've done a great job. It means Bathurst is up first. Um, Apart for myself and Lounsey, who have been there many, many years, uh, and, and just did the 12-hour, um, it shouldn't be too much of a drama. Shane was talking about the fact that he gets to hand over the car at Bathurst in the first of the Enduros to a guy with so much experience in Garth Tander. Yeah. Gee whiz, there's no much more experience than Craig Lowndes, and you get to do that. Yeah, exactly. No, we've got, I feel we've got a very, very good driver lineup, um, especially for the endurance season of endurance. So uh, no excuses, mate. No excuses. We've, uh, we've got some great people. We got, we're an engineering business. We, we go racing and looking forward to the challenges that uh, the other teams throw at us and looking forward to trying to uh, finish the year at least, making sure we're the most competitive team. And we're looking forward to you punching hard, mate, and getting a good year behind you. All the best. I'll, I'll have a crack. Don't worry about that. Thank you. Thanks, Shane. That word because you know you can't touch this. You can't touch this. Scott McLaughlin, what an amazing 2018. 
it was just the fight to the death, wasn't it, with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen for the championship. He got up there in the end, and now we'll look to replicate that in 2019. It's going to be tough, though, with, of course, the new Mustang coming into play for Scott. Let's have a listen to what Scott thinks about his 2019 and what he thinks about his brand-new drive. Thoughts on it? Hey, it's exciting. It's um, you know, it's uh, for me. I'm, I'm. It's nice to see it with the proper colours on it. I think it looks a lot better than it did with the camo on it and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just excited. To just get on with it. it. Means it's getting close to round one and and driving the car for the first time. Do you think it looks good? Yeah, I love it. I think it's obviously the the rear wing's a big talking point between a lot of people. But once you've, I've seen it with the sticker point uh, stickers on it, it looks really cool, and um, I reckon it looks tough. Had a show back the other day. How did it actually feel? Uh, it was, yeah, it was very uh, similar to what I'd driven. We didn't really have any issues. We just went uh, along our business, and, and uh, yeah, I was pretty happy with it at the end of the end of the day. But it's hard to get a massive read on those days. I think Phillip Island will be a good feeling for us. Um, but the best thing for me was I sort of rolled out there, and I, you know, I didn't really feel any different in some ways. You know, I just felt like it's a very similar balance. Um, yeah, and we can refine it in different areas, which I think they've done. Um, hopefully it works out for us. Does it look any different when you're in the car with that sort of swooping nose or something like that? Does no, it... you can't even notice that. The only thing, oh, I guess in some ways, the only thing you notice is there's no scoop anymore. Um, but, yeah, if I was basically thrown in, um, like in the car, blindfolded, like at the start when we're testing, I, I, the only reason I'd know would be the mirrors. The mirrors are the only giveaway in some ways. Um, but uh, apart from that, sitting in the car, the surroundings is all very similar. On the stage, it might take you a little bit of adjustment phase. How yeah. long do you reckon that's going to be? What are the biggest issues, do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's just understanding what the car does differently to what we had. Um, there's, and there's also, you know, technical things that have been changed in supercars over the off-season that everyone's going to have to get used to. So along with learning a new aero package, but also learning, um, you know, different suspension, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for everyone. So, look, I'm, um, you know, I'm quietly confident that, you know, we'll get on top of it sooner rather than later, but I think... Um, We've got to be realistic about a few things and just work hard uh, behind the scenes to make sure, you know, we're on top of it. Yeah, like I said, sooner rather than later. Is it unrealistic that you can win in Adelaide? Is that unrealistic? Oh, I'm going there wanting to win, um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's unrealistic not to win. But you know, we go there, you know, trying to make the best of the situation we have. Um, if we come out of Phillip Island, we feel comfortable and it feels all similar. I go to Adelaide with confidence that yeah, it, it, we we could have a good good shot, and we've been fast over the years, so. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're, we're, you know, it, it won't know officially till fr- uh, Thursday. I presume the plan for Thursday is to give it everything you've got and go as yeah. hard as you can, because if you want something to go wrong, yeah. Thursday's better than Adelaide. Well, and Phillip Island is a great test track for that. It's got, you know, long sweeping corners, long straights. It's got, um, you know, tight hairpins as well, big braking. So it's got everything that we sort of needed, and it was nice that supercars changed the... The, the schedule to, to help with that so um, the test day there for the first time ever is very cool um, which I'm excited for and yeah we'll soon see if we've got any dramas but confident that we should be all pretty good. Do you feel any different going into the season as the reigning champion? I mean it's easy to say oh, it doesn't really matter but it does. Yeah, it's, I guess in some way when you hear the reigning champion it is different but I think the best thing I did last year was just I just I'm saying all the time but I focus on myself and I don't worry about anyone. I can't control whether they're fast or whatever, I just go and do the best job I can, and you know, everyone starts in zero points. She's 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 a reset, and um, you know, the best best driver will win in the end.
Do you think that uh, twin spring delinear is actually going to make a big difference? Does it have the potential to shake up the running order, or is everyone just going to get on with it and it's not going to? We're still going to see the same guys going quick. Yeah, it's a it's a tough question. I, I think you'll, you'll like some of the the top teams. I think will still get on board with it pretty quickly. Um, we we've ran linear, you know, across the other years as well. It was just a couple of races that we would run twin spring, and yeah, I'm pretty confident that we should be you know okay with all that sort of stuff. Um, but like I said, you know. You, you, you can think one thing, but sometimes when you get on track, it does the complete opposite. So really, until we hit the road, it's, not, it's, 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 it's a guessing game at the moment. So even last year, you ran linear at some rounds? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Can I ask you about the field generally? What's caught your eye in terms of driver changes or, or different in, in, the in car? 2019? Oh, and um, oh, look, the Twin Spring linear stuff is, is, is a big thing. Um, I think that's a... Uh, like, it's a, it's a, it's a big... Uh, I guess in some ways a leveler in some in some ways you know like the twin spring was expensive to run and 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 develop and stuff like that so it's you know i can understand why they've done it and, and it's definitely for smaller teams one car teams and all that sort of stuff it's helped um but it'll be interesting i think that's for me that that's probably the biggest high up now yeah and what i'm going to have to get used to as a driver because you know i traditionally i i did like a, a, tw- a twin spring feeling car um but like I said, we did run linear in the past and it worked better as well, but it's just a matter of just getting used to it. And what about driver changes, team changes, people in different cars, anything? Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see how Holdsworth goes at, at Tickford. I think that's a good opportunity and with the new Mustang and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all, all pretty exciting. Obviously, the, the Enduros are going to be very different. I think for me that starting Bathurst first is going to be fairly weird. We're talking about it in the car on the way here. It's just... Not having a warm-up is, is quite interesting um, and something that we've been used to even when I was a kid growing up. I'd watch the Queensland 500 or the Sandown 500 and, you know, it's now not to have a 500 before the 1,000 is a bit weird, but it is what it is and we'll just get, get on with it. So how did Alex go up against the likes of Garth Tander and Michael Caruso, even those sort of blokes just straight off the back, Craig Lowndes? It's going to be hard. Do you think he's, he's up to it? Oh, I think he's up to it, absolutely. He's shown in the past he's at least top three top two best co-driver out there he um he's always comes out no matter how many laps he's done he's done he's gone fast um yeah i think if we get the car right for him and make sure it's fast before we get there i think he'll be no problem and he'll be fine he had a lot of bad luck you know and and at the start of the season that really put him out of it and then like he said he was sort of the wingman towards the end there just because we 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 needed him as much as you know to, to to win the championship which he was and that's the great thing about him he's a great team player and We've just um, we've got a good good camaraderie there, so I think it'll, it'll be fine. Get on with it, and well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> is, there any, is there any sort of like Triple Eight um, are running one less car out of their own workshop, but they've got these little technical alliances with Team Eighteen and with Techno, Techno yeah. and with um, Matt Stone, all that sort of stuff. And then you guys are sort of just on your own. Will you work a bit with Tickford, or do you just go, no, we're going to do our own thing and let Triple Eight do whatever they want to do? I think, you know, Tickford were behind the scenes as well with the, the Mustang design and a few things. I'm not exactly sure of the details, but, um, you know, I think, to be honest, I think we'll just do our own thing. I think we just, um, we, me and Fabs work together well as a team. The engineers work really well together, and we've got a good force there to, you know, build off each other. Um, they can have all those technical partnerships, which they've had for a number of years. Um, but we've still been able to go up against them pretty well and be okay. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident in the ability of our teams that we should be all right. Hope you enjoyed the program this week. Of course, it is on the grid, powered by theracetalk.com. We look forward to bringing you our Adelaide preview next week. 
Quasi will be back on. We'll have a chat about that and try and catch up with a couple more drivers in the lead-up to what promises to be a spectacular start to the 2018 Virgin Australia Supercar season. Tony Shebecki signing off. We'll catch you again next week.